0: We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. This week's message is taught by our teaching pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Hey, well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, 1130 service. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. Are you clapping average because you don't want to root for the Niners or you do want to root for the Niners? I don't even know. Like... Okay, she's excited. There's two excited. Okay, all right. Glad that you chose to join us here today as part of, uh, really, uh, our week three of our series called Discover. Uh, But before we get into that, I just really want to make sure that we just mention that this is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. And and such an important uh, thing that we need to remember because of the fact of uh, all the strides that Dr. King made... and uh, ...towards racial reconciliation and and really bridging the divide that God would want us to have uh, crossed over so much sooner... Uh, but I appreciate what he's done and what he continues to do. And I appreciate a church that's willing to step into those conversations to be able to be reconcilers um, towards that. So uh, on this weekend, I just want to make sure we push pause and say that and know that I'm proud to be part of a church that's willing to go into those conversations and make a difference with that. We've got a long way to go, but I believe that we're making great strides in that. So uh, great, proud to be part of a church that does that. But I'm also proud of this church because we are in week three of the series called Discover. And it's a series looking really kind of uh, birthed out of our mission statement. Our mission statement is we want to lead people to discover Jesus and follow him fully. That's why we exist and so we want to help you along that journey any way we can. But the series is really kind of coming at this idea that in order to, to do that... ...we need to allow people to discover Jesus before they follow him. Because too often I think, and Christians are usually guilty of this... ...that we say, hey, you should follow Jesus before you discover him... That you need to act like a Christian before you really know what that really means. And I think that that really puts people in a tough box, and I don't think that's fair. So we said, well, what does it look like to discover Jesus first before we follow him? So the past couple of weeks we've been doing that, and today will be no different as we continue to dive into it. But as I go into that today, I just want to kind of start off by saying I, I, I've been a coach for a long time. I enjoy coaching. I've coached kids that are four-year-olds all the way up to outside of college and even beyond college. Uh, I I love doing it. My first team that I ever coached, I was 16 years old in high school. My best friend and I, we coached this soccer team of my little brother, and we were awesome. We just kicked some booty. It was amazing, okay? Uh, But that's when I started. But my family is very much in the coaching world. My, my grandfather is in the South Dakota Hall of Fame along with the South Dakota School of Mines Hall of Fame uh, as a football and, and golf coach. My dad is in the South Dakota Hall of Fame as a golf coach. He won 10 girls, girls' titles and 10 boys' titles in high school as their golf coach. And then my brother is a coach also. He won a state championship as a baseball coach in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And then he also is now the assistant baseball coach at the University of Minnesota. So what that means is we had a whole lot of whistles in our house, like a ton of whistles in our house. I probably will never reach those side of, that, that kind of coaching level in my career. There is no such thing as a pastor's hall of fame. It doesn't exist, and nor would I ever get nominated for it. But, uh, so, but, but I love to coach. And when I coach, I, I realize that there is a phrase that I say more than anything else in all the, all the times that I'm coaching. And if you're a coach here today, this might be just a little tidbit for you, and you might be, you know, wondering, here's a little nugget for you. So the, it's, it's two words, and I say it all the time, and it's this phrase. Here we go. It is, listen up. That's what I say all the time, right? <laughs> listen up. I want them to pay attention. Now, I say listen up out loud. Inside, I'm saying shut, but really, I'm just... Um, <laughs> It's listen up, right, because I filter it, I'm more holy, right, I filter it out. So listen up, because I, I want the kids to be able to pay attention. I want them to, to take all the distractions and move it out of the way, and I want them to focus on what I'm about to say, to either help them in the drill they're, they're about to do, or, or maybe even uh, help them in the game that we're in, but I, I say listen up, because I want them to, to do something. And, and the more that I become a Christian, and, and the more that I follow Jesus, I kind of believe that that's, that's some good advice for all of us. I am, I'm a professional talker, right? I don't run out of words very often. You can ask my wife. My wife says I'm an A-plus talker and about a D-minus listener. That's about where I, my, my grading is at. And so as we continue in the series called Discover, we're going to look at this life of Nicodemus, and we're going to see how all of a sudden it's going to turn on something. This interesting part of his journey of discovering who Jesus was, today is going to turn into this idea of, of listening. Because so far, we've really learned some really interesting things about Nicodemus in John chapter 3. We've learned that Nicodemus is a Pharisee, which means that he was a very important religious leader in Jerusalem. But he wasn't just a run-of-the-mill Pharisee guy. He was actually part of the Sanhedrin, which is the top level of government in the Jewish Jewish faith. And they they would rule on things, on civil matters and criminal matters. I mean, he was a big, big deal. He was very, very powerful, Nicodemus was. But as a Pharisee, Nicodemus was concerned about something very important. He wanted to find a way to apply the Old Testament law to the modern day. But the way that he would do that is that he would add on more laws to the Old Testament laws that were already in place. People would come to him and say, how do I apply this? He would say, well, do that law and this law together. There were 613 laws that were originally designed in the Old Testament. And the Pharisees said, no, we need a few more. We need a few more to make it modern in essence the pharisees were telling people to know god you got to do more to know more you got to to know god you got to do more but the result of that was not freedom but it was a heavy heavy spiritual and moral weight that was insurmountable for people in fact it was actually something that jesus spoke passionately against in a story that we read in the gospel of luke we hear that ...that Jesus was actually at a Pharisee's house having dinner... ...which I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that... ...which would be amazing... ...but he was at a Pharisee's house for dinner... ...and he actually speaks to this whole thing we just talked about... ...what the Pharisees really believe and what they're teaching. We read about it in Luke chapter 11... ...where it says, Jesus replied... ...and you, experts in the law, Pharisees... ...woe to you because you load people down with burdens... ...they can hardly carry... ...and you yourself will not lift one finger... To help them. Now maybe you're here today and this is part of your story. Maybe you've experienced this before with, with God or religion or maybe just church in general. You might have heard from your friends, maybe the culture, maybe your church experience that God is a dictator. All he does is he really, he just wants to never have you be happy and you can never make him happy. That, that all God wants is to set you up to Fail. ...and make you feel horrible about yourself... ...and tell you how bad you really are. And when you have that version of God... ...it can be suffocating... ...and it can be heavy... ...heavy to think about. But what Jesus just said here... ...at the very least should tell you a little bit about his character. Because what Jesus just said is that... ...to these religious people, to the Pharisees... ...to the ones making all these extra rules... ...he's saying, listen, you're loading people down... ...with more and more rules. You're trying to make them follow those things... But what he's done and what they've done, the Pharisees done, is they created an unwinnable system where the care to salvation is always just out of reach because you have to do more to make God love you. And and, and that's the amazing part about Jesus, is that he is always talking about how you take burden off people, not how you put more onto them. He says this in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28, Uh, Jesus speaks and says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is what all of us want. We want less burden, not more burden. We want rest, not unrest. We want peace, we don't want war. But yet Nicodemus, as a Pharisee, was teaching the very opposite of that. He was teaching about more burden, not less burden. He, he would have probably even followed Jesus around and made fun of him for all of this stuff that he was saying. More peace, less burden? What are you talking about? But the more that Nicodemus watched Jesus heal people, love people, he realized that There was more to this Jesus. When he looked at him, he understood what Jesus really believed. And it made him question everything that he thought. And he began, Nicodemus began to want to discover Jesus for himself. Until one night, he couldn't stand it any longer. And he and the group of people go and they seek Jesus out. And when he comes to Jesus, he basically says, Jesus, I've been watching you. And there is no way that you can do the things that you're doing and perform the things that you're doing if you weren't from God. And he begins this discovery of Jesus by watching him. But that very quickly turned into curiosity and questions that he had. In fact, it was a a burning question on his heart. And it's the same question that's on your heart, in my heart, in the entire world's heart. It's the question, how do I have eternal life? What happens when this life is over? He, he wanted to discover more about eternal life, and he could see Jesus has the answers. And so he asks the question. And Jesus is kind enough and generous enough to an- answer him. And Jesus says, if you want eternal life, you've got to be born again. And as I'm sure as you are, and I was the first time I heard this, you think, I, I don't get that. Which is why Nicodemus responds to this whole born again statement by Jesus with this question. He says, How can this be? Nicodemus says. Be born again? I don't understand. How can can this be, Jesus? And this is where we left off last week with Nicodemus asking this question. This powerful, seems to have everything together, Nicodemus asking Jesus, How can I be reborn? ...which is where we pick up in John chapter 3 today. So if you have your Bibles with you, open to John chapter 3... ...or if you have your Crossroads Grace apps with you, you can open that up. All the verses are right there for you. We're going to begin in verse 10 here in just a second. And what we'll see is that this, these questions by Nicodemus were the last words. This How can this be? It's the last words that you're going to hear Nicodemus speak in this section of Scripture... Because now Nicodemus is transferring into or transitioning in the next idea of, tra- of discovery. Because so far what we've seen is that Nicodemus has started off by simply watching. He watched Jesus, saw what he did, and then from there it went to this series of, okay, I've got to be curious, I've got to ask questions, what's the next thing? And then finally now he's at this point where he goes from questions to simply listening. He goes to this point from watching to asking to then having big ears In a small mouth, as I would tell my little kids, listen up, big ears, in a small mouth. It's time to hear from Jesus. And we need to give Jesus the chance to speak too, so we can actually hear what he says. Not what others say, not what the internet says, not what the culture says, not what my grandma says, not what my Christian school tells me, not even what your pastor says. We need to listen to Jesus. We need to allow Jesus to speak, and then we need to listen. And here's the thing, right out of the gate. You are not going to like everything that Jesus is going to say. It's going to rub you the wrong way. It's going to go against things that you like to do. It's going to bother us a little bit. But here's some reality of this, though. That Jesus says things that we know are true, but we never want to say out loud. Jesus says that all the time. He says all the things that we know are true... But we never have the guts to say it out loud. But what if, what if just for today, we heard him out? We just listened to Jesus. Believe me, Nicodemus is not going to be all that thrilled with everything Jesus has to say. But Jesus knows that he has to chip away at this veneer, this self-righteous veneer that Nicodemus has placed over himself. Chip away at all of that in order to get to that soft center in the middle where Jesus can speak into. It's that part of him that Jesus needs to get to. And so Jesus dives right in with Nicodemus. But before we read anything, I want you again to keep this scene in mind. Powerful Pharisee comes to Jesus in the middle of the night and now is standing face to face with him asking him about eternal life. How do I have eternal life? They are open, they're wanting to hear from Jesus, and so he dives in, and he says this in chapter 3, starting in verse 10, he says, You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I'm guessing that Nicodemus was not expecting that to be Jesus' answer right away. You know what I mean? I, I kind of feel like Jesus might have been seeing like, hey, this is a payback for all that stuff you were saying the past couple of years. You know, here you go. Ooh, you're Israel's teacher. You don't even know. You know, like, that's, like, what I think. And, but, but Jesus isn't snarky like me. Jesus is being truthful. Nicodemus was part of the religious elite, and he wasn't reading a different set of scriptures than Jesus was. They were reading the same stuff. In fact, Nicodemus would have been so schooled in the Old Testament, his training would have allowed him to memorize much of the Old Testament. And that's why Jesus says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Aren't you Israel's teacher? Now this word teacher is the very same word that he just, that Nicodemus used to describe Jesus a couple verses before. It's this idea of rabbi. It carries a, a high weight of, 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 of honor with it. It would be like saying doctor or professor or expert or your highness. Maybe not your highness. The royal family has got a bunch of stuff right now going on. So that we will take that out, right? But, right? but it would be like Jesus saying, Dr. Nicodemus, you're an expert. You should already know all this stuff. He says you should know it. But Jesus continues in verse 11. He says... He says, very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? So this is the third time that Jesus has used this phrase, this very truly I tell you, just in this story of Nicodemus alone... You'll find it used 26 other times in the Gospel of John. But every time this, story, every time this phrase is used, he's setting people up for this, something very important afterward. It's, it's not like Jesus would ever say, well, very truly I tell you, I'm going to Chick-fil-A. Anybody want to go? You know, like that's, that's not how he would use this. No, he would say, very truly I tell you. And then there would be this big theological thing that's going to come after it that would strike right at the heart. And this phrase is no different. This time is no different. Because Jesus now reverts back to the first way of discovery here. He says, we speak of what we know... ...and we also testify to what we have seen. Which is the first way that we discover again... ...which is to to watch. He says, listen... ...very truly I tell you... ...I'm telling you things that you have already know about. I'm telling you things that you've already seen. And the reason he's doing that is because it's okay to watch. But this means that Jesus also wasn't hiding anything... Jesus' ministry was public, it was available, it was accessible, it was come and see for yourself. That's why in verse 12 we see him use this phrase. He says, I have spoken to you of earthly things. Now what in the world does that mean? What, What is he talking about? Jesus was always using examples that were relatable to people. Things that they could see around them. Earthly things is what he's saying. So if you read through the Bible, he does it all the time. It'll use water to, to describe cleansing, blood to talk about sacrifice, the wind to describe the Holy Spirit, the Roman roads and the dirt roads, and he would use us as a comparison of different paths that you could take in this life. He used vine branches to show what it's like to be connected to God and to grow. He would use trees to say, look what happens when you're with God, this is what you produce, but without, this is what happens. He used fishing to describe evangelism. He talked about wineskins and how you need a new wineskin when you put new wine in it. And it's the idea of having a new life to put new spirit in it. He used bread and wine to describe Jesus' body and his blood. He, he used all of that. Jesus was always trying to find creative and relevant ways to have people grab on to what he was saying. Now do you understand why we do what we do the way that we do it here at this church? We want to make things in our services creative and relevant so that it might stick just a little bit more on you. And and we don't do it to be edgy or cool. Look at me. I'm not edgy or cool at all. Nothing about me that says that. We want to be like Jesus. That's why we do what we do. You you see, it it served Jesus absolutely no good to make, to have his ministry out out of reach of people. The religious people had the corner on the market of that. But Jesus was different. Because he came to tell everyone, including this religious Pharisee that was right in front of him. But yet in this brief conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus could tell he wasn't getting it. He could tell he wasn't getting it. After all the illustrations, after all the miracles, after all the acts of God, it wasn't sticking to to anyone. And that's why Jesus says, "Listen, listen, buddy, if you can't handle the JV stuff I'm throwing at you... Like, like, why in the world do you think you can handle varsity spiritual stuff? I mean, for crying out loud, Jesus, just a few minutes earlier, answered the question of how do you get eternal life by saying you have to be reborn, be born again. It was an illustration of what happens inside your heart and soul. And what does Nick do? He's like calling his mom and saying, hey, mom, can we do a redo on the birth thing? I'm ready to kind of do it again. <laughs> like, he just wasn't getting it. My friends, we are so much like Nicodemus. We are so much. There are so many things that God does on a daily basis that we either flat out miss or we will ignore. That we will ignore things that are listening right in front of us. Our eyes, for instance. They are so complex, there is no computer that can even get close to what they're about. How about the fact that you can experience love beyond us? The fact that we can formulate thoughts and think about things. What about the mountains that you climb? The fish that you catch, the water that you boat on. We take all this stuff for granted and we just think, well, it's part of the package deal of being a human being, I guess. And when that happens, when we do that, we miss out that God is the giver and the creator and the sustainer of everything around us. God's the creator of everything. For instance, consider this, that this is what we breathe. O2, oxygen. Now just for a moment, what would happen if God said, you know what, I'm not going to let oxygen bind with with itself anymore. What would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. In the blink of an eye, we would all be gone and this whole thing would be over. Just by having two molecules that can be held together, that's how much we are in the palm of God's hand. Yet we miss out on this because we get too caught up in thinking that God needs to be, it needs to revolve around us in our solar system instead of us revolving around God. That's what we do. We say, God, I am the center of the world. You need to do what I need to do. But Jesus, oh, he doesn't give up on us. Thank you, Jesus. And he doesn't give up on Nicodemus. Look at what he does next as Nicodemus continues this this discovery of Jesus by listening. Look in verses 13 and 15. He says, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Jesus just stated the obvious, didn't he? He says, Listen, no one has ever gone into heaven. We could all agree with that, can we? Can we not, right? In fact, would you turn to your neighbor and say, I've never been to heaven. Just tell him real quick, you know, right? Then turn to the Raider fan next to you and say, you know, hey, no one ever been to heaven. Like, tell him, you know, right? No one, no one has ever been to heaven. We can all agree on that. But Jesus says no one has been into heaven except for the Son of Man. I'm telling you what, Nicodemus just got fired up because Jesus started to speak his language. He went all OT on him. Just popped the cork on the Old Testament right there. So you got to remember, Nicodemus was a professional in the Old Testament. Jesus just said a couple minutes ago, he says, are you Israel's teacher, Israel's rabbi? You are a professional. So what Jesus does is he speaks to him on his level and in his language. Because the second that Jesus would have said, son of man, a bell would have went off in Nick's head. And And he knew in that moment he would think back to the Old Testament and this prophet by the name of Daniel. And he would have thought of Daniel 7 verse 13 that says, in my vision at night I looked. And there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. And when, see, Nick knew that the son of man that Daniel spoke about was the Messiah that was coming. The one that God was bringing to make everything right. And when Jesus said that, all of a sudden, the hairs on Nick's arm started to rise up. It was like a 5,000-piece puzzle all starting to come together. But but, (laughs) Jesus was just getting warmed up. Because then he references another Old Testament story. He goes back to a story back in the time of Moses when Moses had led the people out of Egypt and they were in the desert. And the people were turning from God and so God actually lets a poisonous snake into the camp and it starts to bite people. And were it not for God's grace in giving them a way out, they would have all died. But in Numbers chapter 21, verse 9, we read this. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole that when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived, it says. Jesus says to Nicodemus, Hey, you remember that whole Moses story about the snake and lifting it up and people looking at him? They weren't going to get poisoned? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember that? Well, guess what? The Son of Man will be lifted up too, and anyone that looks at him will be saved. And and Nicodemus, in that moment, just managed to fail. His brain just started getting a little bit bigger, and his heart started pounding really fast, and his tongue got really dry, right? He got like freaking out. Because if what Jesus was saying was true, that meant that Jesus was. But he couldn't even get the thought out because he couldn't even formulate the words because Jesus was kind of continuing to go. John kind of summarizes this and look in verse 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Now there are not a lot of pictures in history of Nicodemus. We we don't see a lot of pictures of him. But I was able to dig really, really deep. And I found a picture the moment after he heard these words by Jesus. It's this. right? This is what Nicodemus must have been feeling inside. He's saying, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying that even though no one has gone to heaven and, and the only one that has has been the son of man and when he comes he's going to be lifted up just like Moses did the serpent and people are going to be healed and, and if those that believe and that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, the son of man and that whoever believes in him will have eternal life and anyone that, and, and that God didn't send the son of man to condemn the world but to save the world and if we believe we're saved and we're not condemned, Nicodemus hasn't said Anything, Jesus has said it all. But that's not not even the end of it. Check it out; it keeps going. You've got to read your Bible. This thing's amazing, right? Look at verse nineteen. Whoo! I got to get a thing. Right? Verse nineteen says, "This is the verdict: Light has come into the world. The people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light, for fear that their deeds will be exposed." But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, okay? Now, hey, stay with me here, okay? Stay with me. Think about this for a second. Think about this for a second. When did Nicodemus come to see Jesus? He came in the the dark, didn't he? And what we just read here is that we now know that Jesus is light. He's light. So so what he said, Jesus just invited Nicodemus and invited you and me to come out of the darkness into the light so that we might be saved. He's saying this is what you need. Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, listen. All that stuff that you think you got going for you, your power, your prestige, your your position, your knowledge, all of your good works, all that stuff is evil because it's keeping you in the dark. It's making you think that you're all alone, that you're able to make yourself right with God. But what it's doing is that it's placing you in the shadows. It's keeping you from what God really wants in your life And that is for you to experience light. Nicodemus, listen. Come into the light, Nick. Come to me, he says. So can I ask you something? Are you in the dark today? I mean, really? And if you're here today and you don't know who God is and you don't believe in Jesus, can you just at least be honest with yourself for a second... Are you in the dark? Are you really trying hard to make a name for yourself so people will respect you more? Are you hoping that you can do more than you do bad so God will be happy with you? Are you hiding under that addiction? Are you scared of what people will find out if they know who you really are? Are you one way in front of people and then another way when you're alone? Are you frightened? of what would happen if you actually listened and followed the call of God in your life? Are you trying to say as much as you can to make yourself feel good and and okay, when in reality what you need to do more than anything else is to be quiet and to listen? My friends, I want you to hear something over anything else, and it's that God says the most when we say the least. God says the most when we say the least. And what we learn from Nicodemus is that one of the greatest ways to discover Jesus is just to listen to him. Except for so many of us, that is so scary. Because we know that when we stop talking, we might just hear our soul crying out. And it scares us to death. Only Jesus can speak to that still, small spot in our soul because he created it. It's a place only for him and a place he died to speak into. Some of these last words by John in verse 21, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of We place ourselves in the light of Jesus when we stop talking and we start listening and we start obeying. When we surround ourselves with what God's saying. It's true. God says the most when we say the least. And that is so hard in a world that is constantly talking. It's so hard to be in a world that no matter what happens, there's always somebody that's willing to say something and we feel like we, we need to be a part of the conversation. Need to speak up, need to speak out because if we don't, we look weak. But what would happen if we actually stayed quiet long enough to hear God's voice? What if instead of surrounding ourselves with the chaos of this world, we surrounded ourselves with God's word, what was true, what was noble, what was beautiful, as Paul says? What if we surrounded ourselves with that and then after we listened, we actually did something about it? My friends, I just know that our world would be different. Your life would be different. Your eternity would be different if we simply just listened and obeyed. We're going to give you a chance to be able to experience that today. Not just through the words, of a beautiful song, but to be able to experience God's word surrounding you, encompassing you, giving you the reality that God is all around you. So my prayer for us all is to remember that God says the most when we say the least. And so today, allow yourself to be surrounded by God's word.
1: Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. John four thirteen through fourteen. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy.
0: I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd that lays down his
1: life for the sheep. John 10, 10 through 11. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Mark 8, 34-37. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. John 16:33. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But
0: I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 43 to 45.
1: Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your, all, your whole heart. Jeremiah 29, 12 13. can never
0: by the words of God knitting us in we come to that time where we prepare to go out into this world I'm reminded of the words of Dr. King that says that darkness cannot drive out darkness only light can hate cannot drive out hate only love can so as we're surrounded by God's truth and his word the question now that we have is what do we do what do we do with what we've heard And our desire is that we would respond to that. In fact, if you need prayer about anything, if you need help with anything, if you need to help make a decision for Jesus today, we will have people at the prayer stations, at the cross, the prayer stations in the back that would love to talk with you more. Do not leave here without seeing one of them. We want to help you follow Jesus fully. But for all of us, we have a a decision that's incumbent upon us to make a decision of what we'll do with what we've heard. And the prayer is that we would be overwhelmed by what we've heard with God's word, but then respond to it, going into a dark world, to be light. Because that's the only thing that will destroy it. My friends, would you stand as we pray and close out our time together today? Mighty God and Father, we stand before you just in awe of who you are. We've heard your word spoken around us. That is truth. And as it's gone into our ears, might it go all the way into our souls and cause us to to make a decision for you. And Father, if there is anyone here that does not know your son as Savior, may this be the time where they just say, God, I am alone, and I'm dark. I need the light. And today I realize, Jesus, you're the light. You died on the cross for my sins. You came into this world to give me life, and I want that, so I accept you. I've discovered, I've asked, I've I've listened, and now I want to respond. Father, help us to do that you tell us, God, that if anyone claims Jesus above all of the names, that they are a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, and today can be a day where they can walk in the light. I pray that that would happen. But I pray for all of us now, as we leave these safe four walls, that we would go into this world in need of light, and that we would use it and give it, because it's you, Jesus, that they need. Help us to do that, not by our strength, but by yours. We love you. We give you all the praise, all the glory for it. In your name we pray. Guys, if you need prayer, please come and see us. But if not, have a great, great weekend. God bless you, guys. Go Niners! Tag your it. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow Him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at CrossroadsGrace.org/give. Thank you for listening, and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow Him fully.